the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I have a great show for you today that I'm very excited about. And I always like to uh, remind you listeners that if you are not able to listen to the show in its entirety or you missed one, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and it is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and there is a radio link that has all the podcasts, and there's a whole bunch of other shows as well from different places that you can listen to. And so this uh, particular one is called, uh, this, this particular show is called More Than Just a Wedding, Family Issues, Gender Differences, and a Much-Needed Miracle. And this one, as well as the one I did last week, are also blogs. And so you, when you go to the website, if you scroll down to the page or use any of the um, quick links, you can go straight to um, the blog page that has a couple of different blogs. And this particular show today is one of those blogs. You can also go to Conversations uh, with Cynthia, which is all one word, at wordpress.com, and that's where those blogs are as well. So I'm very excited about this show. This is uh, The Wedding in Cana, and I want you to know that the impetus of this particular um, insight and, you know, blog that came from it was that I was recently given the pleasure, as well as I have to say the honor, of officiating my niece's wedding in Austin, Texas. And that was the beginning of May. It was about May 2nd. And it's always amazing when your family asks you to officiate weddings. It's very fun when you get to do it for your own family. And I'm telling you, Austin is a beautiful place. I've never been to Austin, Texas. I have been to other places in Texas, but not ever to Austin. And it was beautiful. And we actually got out before all those amazing rains came through all those huge storms came through houston and dallas and oh my goodness and so we had a beautiful weekend for my niece and the message portion of the wedding ceremony is where i expanded on this story of the wedding in cana where where jesus turned water into wine and it is one of these very well known and often recited miracles in the bible but it took on this completely new meaning for me I mean, it totally rocked my world. Now, what's interesting is when I was meeting with my niece and her fiancé, and we were going through the order of the service, and you'll probably quite find this quite funny, I said, well, you know, then there's a message portion of your service, and what would you like me to, to talk about? And they said, well, what do you normally do? And I said, well, you know, oftentimes in weddings you, 
the the pastor may speak from you know Genesis about it's not good for man to be alone or they sometimes uh, speak from Song of Solomon, a portion of that, or they talk about First uh, Corinthians 13, the love chapter, or they talk about the wedding in Cana. And my niece immediately goes, oh, I like that one. Now, I have to tell you, <laughs> I, haven't, I had, up until now had never spoken about the wedding in Cana, and I have never, never even taught on it. So it was interesting that the Holy Spirit is the one that had it just come out of my mouth, because as soon as she said that to me, I went, um, okay, I thought, wow. I'm going to have to really research this because I have never done anything on the wedding in Cana. So that was probably, um, oh, last September is when I think we met. And the wedding, you know, was then going to be in May of this year. So I had quite some time to do it. Well, I'm telling you the truth. It wasn't until about the week before the wedding, I kept saying, God, I have got to come up with a message here. I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. So as I was reading through the um, whole entire part of it, two things struck me like a flash of light. I mean, this was really, I hope this is as profound to you as it was to me. But the first thing that struck me was this awareness that the first miracle ever performed by Jesus was for family. That is powerful. The first miracle ever done on the earth, by God in the flesh, was for his family. And not only for family was it done, but it was done at the request of a family member for a family member. Now, if I were just to end the show today on that, that would be profound enough. Because it's encouragement for all of us that we need to be going to the one who can make happen what we need to make happen. We need to go to the one who can do it. We need to go to God, our Father, requesting for our family, extended family. Our friends are our family. Our church is our family. We need to be going to Christ and saying, I need a miracle, and trusting that he's going to do it. And that's what we're going to find is the second part of how powerful this is. So I don't want us to overlook that Jesus initially said no, and then he relented. That's even more profound, and we're going to talk more about that later. Secondly, this is what I saw, which was really amazing. It was the interaction Jesus, as a man, had with a woman. And the gender implications were huge, amazing, curious, interesting, and quite humorous, actually, the deeper that I examined and imagined how the scene might play itself out. So um, can you imagine Jesus at your family gathering? I mean, how, how would you act? How would he act? What would he say? You know, would he keep it to himself or draw people into interaction and relationship with him? But ask yourself that. What if Jesus showed up at my, at my uh, family gathering? <laughs> my gosh, how would our families act? Maybe he would just walk away. <laughs> Maybe he would leave. He wouldn't really, but it's fascinating, and it's, it's very powerful to think about what would Jesus be doing if he was actually in our family gathering. So what we see is at the wedding in Cana, we get a glimpse of Jesus, who we know is still God, being a human mortal man, interacting with the mortal woman, Mary. See, we see Jesus as a good mortal human man in, in an everyday setting. I mean, obviously, he's still God, but he has not 
shown his divinity yet. So when he showed up, he was not acting as the Messiah or in any divine capacity. It was not yet his time. Yet we see him as this perfect example of a human man when responding to gender differences. I'm going to show you those. We also see a poignant, intimate moment as Jesus behaves as a mortal man in a family interaction. Because I want you to know, when we look further into this, the, the scriptures here, we, we have to remind ourselves that Jesus and his disciples had just shown up as guests. That's what it says in the, in, in the scriptures, that Jesus brought his disciples as, as guests, and Jesus had not performed any miracles. So these were actually Jesus and his buddies showing up to a family member's wedding, and Mary was also there as a guest. So it wasn't Mary's daughter. It was, we think, probably a niece that was getting married. So she wasn't even a primary player, and neither was Jesus. And that is really important. Because as we look at what Jesus is showing men as to how to be a really good human mortal man. Because I often tell my clients, I love my husband, and I know he is a mortal man. I don't try to make him be God. I don't try to expect him to be God. I don't expect him to be anything more than a good, mortal man. And what we see from Jesus is he's the perfect mortal man. Because when Mary came to him, I want you to really think about this. She did not know Jesus as Messiah. She knew that God had said, this is a special man. He's going to do special things, amazing things. But I'm not sure she knew exactly that he's the Messiah. But what she did know about Jesus, she had spent her life with him. She had seen his work ethic. She had seen his demeanor. She saw his problem-solving skills. She saw his patience. She saw his commitment. And so when she saw a problem at this wedding, she said to herself, I know who I can go to. I know the man I can go to that I can get some help from. And I trust what he will do. I can trust him. Because she had had a lifetime, the whole lifetime of Jesus, and saw how he did things. She wasn't coming to him as the Messiah. She wasn't coming to him saying, hey, I know you're really God in disguise and you haven't told anybody yet, but I need you to do a miracle. She was coming to him with a problem. And so... Once his ministry is in full swing, see, we rarely see Jesus being anything other than the Son of God. This is why this moment in time in Scripture is so powerful. Because we see this is really one of the only real times, other than when he was 12, that we really see him being human at a party, at a family function. And this is a rarity in the gospel that we get to see this moment. Because before revealing his divinity, he was a perfect mortal man he didn't become perfect when he became the when he showed everyone that he was the messiah he was perfect since birth and so at the wedding in cana he is the son of god but he's also still the son of mary so this family moment gives us a rare glimpse into the into jesus as a man a son and as a god who loves so we can glean so very much from this small interaction so we're going to read the story as if we were there in, in this next segment, where this event is an enduring one in the lives of humans, because weddings have been happening since long before Jesus came and will continue through the end of time 
with the biggest wedding feast of all. So this wedding in Cana is about the most human event Jesus could ever participate in when it comes to relationships. And it is about as human as we will ever see Jesus. He and his friends, disciples, they were simply attending as guests, nothing more. And he does not reveal his divinity until the end of the story. So I want you to join me in this next segment as we really look at this story in John. It's, it's John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to really see Jesus, the mortal man, God in the flesh. What an example to men as to how to be. And to still not have to try to be God for the women in your lives, but to be a good mortal man. And you get a really good example from Jesus in this story. And I don't mean the part that he performs a miracle, because we know that that we can't perform miracles, even though I have seen some men do some really cool things. So join me again in this next segment as we talk about this story in John. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And you can always look at my website at CynthiaHyatt.com for more podcasts. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and today we are talking about the wedding in Cana out of John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And what a powerful revelation God gave me. I was talking in the first part of the hour that I was um, asked to officiate my niece's wedding in Austin, Texas it, uh, in the first part of May, the first week of May. And God gave me a great revelation because this is what she had wanted in her wedding was this, this a message about the wedding in Cana. And I had never done that before. And God really showed me some cool things. And so we are looking here at the first one that we see in this story is that this, the first miracle God ever performed as Jesus, the first miracle as God in the flesh was a miracle for a family member. And it was not only for a family member, but it was by the request of a family member for a family member. And Jesus initially relented and he gave in for family. And so we see how powerful family is to God, how much he loves family. And the second thing that we see is we're going to look at the interaction between Jesus and Mary as to how this plays out in the mortal world with gender differences, because you know I love to talk about gender differences and understanding how men are hardwired and women are hardwired. And what we see with Jesus is that because he has not revealed his divinity yet, he still is a perfect mortal man. So he's this great example for men as to how to be okay just being a man, because Jesus is still a man and a mortal man, but he's a perfect man. And so we're going to read the story as if we're there, and I want you to really be thinking about what it would be like if you were at this family gathering. So John chapter 2, verses 111 states that when the party ran out of wine, Jesus' mother um, told Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus replied, a woman, what has this to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother then said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And Jesus ordered the servants to fill containers with water, to draw out some, take it to the chief steward. And after tasting it, without knowing where it came from, the steward remarked to the bridegroom that he had 
departed from the custom of serving the best wine first and serving it, and instead served the best last. And John adds that Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and it revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So let's look at some different translations to get a deeper, or broader, a more intimate look at this interaction. Because I like to look at several translations, and particularly for this one, as a way to hear the tone, the implicit emotions, the, you know, the tenor of this particularly special and very, quote-unquote, telling moment in time. So in the voice, that version, that Bible version, Jesus says, Dear woman, is it our problem they miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests? My time has not arrived. And in the Message Bible, Jesus says, Is that any of our business, Mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. Now, the Living Bible says, I can't help you now. It isn't my time for my miracles. And the Good News Translation says, You must not tell me what to do. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. Now, let's look at the New International Version. It says, Woman, why do you involve me? And Jesus again replies, My hour has not yet come. And the New King James Version says, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So the first revelation about this story is it's all about family. So we see in reading this that the first miracle God performed on earth was for a family situation, in a family and for a family. Because God loves family, and we are his family. And what we see in the story of Cana is that Mary had a need, and to her it was very significant. She needed a miracle. If Jesus didn't do something, it wouldn't get done. Now, families are extremely important to God, and we are his family. And he is willing and wanting to perform miracles in our lives and in our families. So yet, Jesus did not initially want to do anything about the problem. Jesus said, what concern is this of mine? And maybe it wasn't a concern of his. Maybe he was looking at the bigger picture and the need for wine was significant in the bigger picture. But it was very important, very significant to Mary. And so she went to the one person who could make it happen. The directive here for us is this. We need to go to the one person that can make what we think is significant and believe that it will be significant to him. We go to the one person that has the ability to make happen what we need to have happen. Why? Because we are his family and he loves family. So another revelation. Jesus modeled the perfect role of a human man. So this interaction is unique, a very unique glimpse into Jesus as a man. See, his statement, this is no concern of mine, or what does this have to do with me? Or are we responsible for them miscalculating the amount of wine? Why are you coming to me with this? Reveals that, see, he wasn't worried about the wine running out. And it wasn't because he knew he would do a miracle. It was simply because it really wasn't his problem. He didn't see the need and wasn't pulled by the concern. And this is important that you understand about men. He didn't even necessarily see the need. And even if he did see the need, it wasn't, it wasn't his problem. 
This was him being the perfect man because he was hardwired as a human man. Because men in their heart, this was revolutionary for me to see, to think of God as a man. Because Jesus, as he's being a mortal man, now, I know this might not be as as profound as I'm trying to explain it, but when you understand the way that men are hardwired, you understand that they don't pick up globally on concerns the way women do. Their brains are constantly scanning for danger rather than relational or interpersonal problems. Women are community-minded. Men are not. When Mary came to him with a concern, he opened that box, that Mary box, and made her concern his because she cared about it. Jesus was showing gender difference, yet he showed it perfectly. His original uh, um, quote to her was, what is this concern, of, is this of mine? It's not a concern of mine, which is what men do. They constant, women constantly come to men and they say, what does this have to do with us? Why, I'm, okay, so the neighbors are over there doing whatever they're doing. Why does that matter to me? But to women, they see needs and it bothers them. It burdens them. It concerns them. And so what did Mary do? She took a concern. She didn't want this bride to go through the wedding feast knowing that they ran out of wine and how embarrassing that would be. She wanted her to have this great wedding experience. Mary became concerned, even though it wasn't her wedding and it wasn't her daughter. She knew how that bride would feel, and she didn't want her to go through that. And so she came to Jesus with a concern of hers. And the first thing Jesus says is what mortal men say. What does that have to do with me? Why should I worry about that? That's not my problem. That's their problem. They should have calculated better. But as we see in this story, Jesus heard the concern of Mary, and he made it his concern. So join me again in the next segment as we further unwrap and unpack this whole idea of gender differences and how they play out and the hardwiring of men and women and this interaction between Jesus and Mary. Please visit my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated and my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. We have a great show today coming from um, John, the, the, the book of John about the wedding in Cana and the miracle that Jesus performed at this wedding. And looking at it a little bit differently than what is traditionally seen in this whole idea of this wedding. And the first revelation that really we looked at earlier in the show was that the first miracle ever performed by Jesus as God in the flesh was for a family member. And if that's the only point we get from this whole entire interaction, this whole entire story, is that Jesus relented when he he was asked by a family member for family. This is how much God loves family. We saw another example of this between Abraham and God uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah when Abraham bargained with God to not burn everybody in the city so that he could get Lot out of it. And so we see how important family is to God and that we need to go to God with those requests for our family. And and our family can consist of our friends, our family is our church, our family could be our community, our family could be our biological family, an adopted family, a step family. 
But we need to know that God cares about family because he cares about us. So we see in this story, the second one, in that Jesus being hardwired as a mortal man responded just the way mortal men do. And he simply said to Mary, what concern is this of mine? And we see this profound difference between men and women, that women notice concerns of others, and it bothers them, it burdens them. Men, their brains scan for danger, not for community concern. And so Jesus was just there showing up with his friends. He was a guest. He was not part of the the family in terms of the first part of the family. He was probably a cousin, possibly a nephew, possibly, we're not sure, that we think that this was Mary's niece that was maybe getting married. So we see that Jesus is coming just as a mortal man with his disciples, and, and Mary is not even a primary player. But as soon as she heard that the family was running out of wine, she knew what this would mean to the bride and the families, how embarrassed they would be, and she took this on as hers. Now, this is what women do. And so when I speak to men, I say to them, you need to know the best way that you could care for your wife your girlfriend, your daughters, is to care about what they care about, even if it doesn't make sense to you. So what do we see Jesus do? He cared about it because Mary cared about it. So Mary trusted him to take care of it or to let it go. She operated in a perfect manner dealing with a man, and we will see this. She wasn't going to fight it or contend, but she wasn't... She was just going to let him know what she needed. She was willing to let it, quote unquote, not happen as well. It was Jesus's choice. She didn't bully him, nag him, provoke him, bargain, manipulate him. She simply trusted him. And Jesus understood that the wine problem was of great concern to her. It mattered to her. So he made it his concern. Not only did he make it his concern, but he did more for her than she asked. He didn't talk her out of the need or belittle the need or do it begrudgingly, but he gave her more wine than she needed and created wine that was of the highest quality. This is Jesus' role modeling for men. It's a lesson for men. There are many things that are of no concern to men, but are of great concern to the women in your life. Jesus is considered the groom and we are his bride. So men, if it concerns her, it needs to concern you. If she comes to you with a concern and it doesn't concern you, you need to make it your concern and help her. Jesus helped Mary. He entered into her life and made her life important to him. He helped her in a way in what she was trying to achieve. Jesus was acting in the capacity of a good mortal man as he led and protected and provided for Mary. So men, for the women in your lives, you are the leader, the protector, the provider, the covering. And this is all in varying degrees, of course. But this is how you follow the lead of your Savior and you help the women in your life. This is how you be a good mortal man. And so we're going to talk in the next, this last segment about Mary and how she responded in an appropriate manner to a good mortal man. And the way that we as women need to respond to the men in our life, to bring out the goodness in them, to help them be good mortal men. So we want men to care. We want them to be concerned. We want them to take us seriously. Because many times we as women, we sometimes feel like men just 
brush aside our concerns and say, oh, what difference does it make? It's not that big of a deal. And many times, men, you might have come to find the hard way that you may have needed to listen to the women in your lives. They may have known, and you didn't listen. And sometimes women, we need to listen to the men in our lives. So join me in the last segment as we talk about this whole wedding in Cana and what it has to teach us today about our relationships with the opposite sex. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm always so glad that you have joined me today. And I think that you will be getting a lot out of this show. If you were not able to listen to it and are just tuning in now, I really want to encourage you to listen to it in its entirety. And you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and I'm going to spell that for you because it's a little bit different. It's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can also find this um, on my blog page, and that is Conversations with Cynthia, again with an I, C-I-N-T-H-I-A, Conversations with Cynthia at WordPress.com. And this particular show is a blog, so you'll be able to find that, as well as the one I did last week. Um, And I believe the one I did uh, two weeks ago, they are all part of um, the blogs that I do. So we are talking today about the wedding in Cana. And this is from... Um, chapter, this is from John chapter 2, verses 1 and 11. And we looked at a lot of the different ways in different translations, how Jesus and Mary were talking to one another. And what struck me when I read this, I thought, this is exactly what I teach when I do any kinds of seminars on gender differences and the opposite sex and how we relate and how we speak to one another and how we interact. And this was a perfect example of gender relations. So as we looked at this, we we also saw this phenomenal revelation that, you know, oversees all of this and and this overarching idea that God did his first miracle on earth for a family and that family is super important to God and that Mary is family to Jesus and Jesus was at a family wedding. And even though he initially relented, he gave in because it was family. And he specifically said to Mary, it is not my time. And he did it anyways. And so we also saw that with God when he was, when Abraham was arguing with God about the the life of Lot, when he was going to um, burn up Sodom and Gomorrah. So we see how powerful family is to God. So as we looked at this, we saw that Mary trusted Jesus. She simply went to him and said, hey, we need more wine. They are running out of wine. And Jesus said to her, what concern is this of mine? My time has not yet come. And Mary turned to the servants and said, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. That's amazing. She didn't try to talk to him about it, make her concern his, convince him of why it needed to happen. She didn't help him do it. What she simply said was she stated her concern, and then she trusted him. Now, she had had a lifetime with Jesus of his ethics, his integrity, um, the way he works, his ability to complete things, his attentiveness, his follow-through. And so she had a long history of trust with him, but she's still a woman. And, and I'm amazed at, herself, at her restraint. 
Because how many times, and I'm talking to men here, have women come to you and told you that they needed something, didn't tell you specifically, and then got mad at you when you said, well, what is it that you really need? So we see that Mary goes to Jesus and she says, we need more wine. She didn't say, we've run out of beverages. Or she didn't say, I think the party's falling apart, you've got to do something. She specifically said to him, they are running out of wine, we need more wine. And then she said to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And so we oftentimes see as well, I'm sure men, you understand, this feeling that when you try to do this concern for a woman, sometimes she comes and tells you how to do it and tries to help you do it. And I know that when I have worked with men before, if I do that many times, they step back and they say, well, why don't you just do it then? So it's hard for us as women when we're interacting with men to simply let them do it unless they ask for our help. We can offer. We can say, do you want me to help you? But one of the things that we do is we are showing them that we trust them. And men, one of the things that you want to do is reinforce their trust in you. So if they trust you to do something, you want to do it really well. In fact, better than what they asked. Because that's what we see that Jesus did. Not only did Jesus take care of the concern and take it seriously and do something about it, but he did more than she could ever ask for. He gave more wine than they needed and made the quality even better than they ever had. What a perfect man. And so we see that this, that Mary trusted him. And so Jesus, you have to understand, he understood that the wine problem was of great concern to her and it mattered to her. So he made it his concern. Not only did he make it his concern, but he did more than she asked. He didn't talk her out of the need. He didn't belittle it. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He gave her more wine than she needed and created wine of the finest quality. So he heard her concern, and he didn't belittle her for it or say, you know, all he said to her was, what concern is this of mine? This is what men originally will do. I don't understand what this has to do with us. And she simply just said, we need more wine. And he then made a choice. And he decided to make her concern his and do it better than she even asked. So this is Jesus' role modeling for men. It's a lesson for men. There are many things that are of no concern to men, but are of great concern to the women in your life. And like we said earlier, Jesus is considered the groom and we are the bride. We can go to him with our concerns. Because men, I want you to realize For the women in your life, if it concerns her, it needs to concern you. If she comes to you with a concern and it doesn't concern you, you need to make it your concern and help her. Even if helping her is saying to her something like, I can see this really bothers you. I don't think there's anything we can do about it. And I really want you to trust me. I think it's going to be okay. And many times just validating the need and having another perspective helps women. Because many times we do get caught in things that probably aren't ours and they do bother us and we do worry about it. And it's helpful when the men in our lives can help us to just say, you know what, I think it's going to be okay. And on the other side, it really helps men to recognize that sometimes women's concerns should be a concern to them. And it's good you have us in your life to remind you of those. So what we see is Jesus helped Mary. He entered into her life and he made her life important. He helped her in a way in what she was trying to achieve. He was acting in the capacity of a good mortal man. 
And so when we see this interaction with Mary and Mary and Jesus, so women, we need to go to the men in our lives and not expect them to always know what concerns us or is important to us. We, we need to not say things like, well, how could you not know that's important to me? Many times they really don't know, and it isn't because they're being rude or crude or unloving. They don't think the way we think. So it's important we don't get offended if they don't even understand why it's important to us. And we don't want to be easily offended or judgmental when they don't notice or understand the things that we deem important. And we must not attribute a negative character quality to a man simply because they don't understand the importance of what we saw. So we see Mary did not get offended when Jesus said to her, what concern is this of mine? She simply stated her concern and said to the head servant, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. She trusted who he was, and he didn't let her down. So we can follow the example of Mary. We can be good, mortal women and not complicate things unnecessarily. Because many times, like I said, we ask as women, we ask for help and then help the men help us. And so in the same way, how many times do we ask God for help and then help him and tell him what to do for us? Now, we are all guilty of this at one time or another. However, Mary didn't say, it's just not working, fix it, or I need beverages, and then expect Jesus to know what type. He may have initially objected because it wasn't his time, but he did what she asked. And what is even more remarkable is that he went above and beyond what she requested, making it better and more impressive than she could have ever imagined. He did more than what she asked, immeasurably more. And this is the Jesus of Ephesians 3.20. And that is our beautiful verse that says he can do immeasurably more than what you could ever hope for or imagine, according to the power in Christ Jesus. This is love. So she made her request known, specifically known, and then believed in both his willingness and ability to do it. And it was odd that she would go to Jesus for this concern. But she went to him because she knew he was able to do it. And then he told the servants what to do. So when we go to him first, he then directs his servants what to do. So I go to Jesus with my needs, and Jesus then directs the other servants, the other mortals down on the planet, what to do. So it's always imperative that I go first to God. And then I pray and ask and let God do what God wants to do. This is so important for us to understand. When we have a need or concern or problem, we must go to the one person that will make what we think is significant, significant to him. Go to the one person that has the ability to make what we need to have happen, happen. This is casting our cares upon him because he cares for us. Jesus' miracle that came about before his time met and even exceeded Mary's need. He made her look good in front of everyone that she cared about in her community. Even though that was not her intention, she simply saw a need. Imagine how proud she was of her son as he stepped in and took on the concern. The abundant overflow of Jesus being a good man was how really good Mary must have looked when she was able to deliver the best wine at the end of the wedding celebration. His first miracle is one of excellence and abundance, which truly reveals the heart of God. 
He meets our needs, and in meeting our needs, we even look better. It's amazing the abundance that God has. So we are to go to the one person that has the ability to make happen what we need to have happen. So you want to go to God, and God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. You simply need to let your concerns be known and trust him to do the rest. Do whatever he tells you. That's amazing. Do whatever he tells you. Make your concerns known to God and then believe he will direct his servants to address your concerns just as he did in Cana. So I tell God what I need and then God tells the people how to meet that need. And sometimes the need is not met the way I want it to be met. Mary had her need met more and exactly the way she needed it to be met, as far as we can tell. But we need to trust the one who died for us to know that he wants to do immeasurably more than I could ever hope for. So you ask for the miracle, and you trust that he knows what you really need, and that if you care about it, he cares about it, because he cares about you. Family is important to God, and you are his family. So we get this great revelation in this wedding, this wonderful like object lesson of family. That Jesus is there in our midst, just as Jesus was in the midst of that wedding, wedding at Cana. He is in our midst. And we can go to him with our concerns and expect that he will do what needs to be done. He may not do it in the way that we want him to, but we need to trust that he cares about our concerns. And it's a great object lesson for you as men. What a great role model Jesus is in how to treat women. And women, what a great role model Mary was for us as to how to interact with men. And so we have this wonderful lesson about how important those interactions are, how they are to be honored, how we are to respect one another, how we are to accept one another, and the level of trust that we can have in our God and we can have in Christ Jesus, who has died to meet the very needs we have today in our life. And so I really encourage you to go to the one who can make happen what you need to have happen and trust that he will do it in an immeasurably more than you could ever hope for or imagine. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Please check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com for this show in its entirety and visit my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.